The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mike, what's up, my brother? What's up, homie? Not much, homie. Hey, Hey, you know, how am I doing? I got to tell you, uh, uh, my, my real my real answer is tense. I'm tense. And I know better. I know better not to allow things to affect my mood, steal my joy. I know better. But I'm still a little tense. But here's the good news. I'm tense, yet I'm grateful. I'm going to tell you why. I'm tense over Brett Favre. I don't know if you had the opportunity when he was playing uh, to interview Brett Favre. I did on several occasions. I enjoyed interviewing Brett Favre. I enjoyed uh, talking with him. I don't, I'm not sure if I ever had a one-on-one, but it was probably like three-on-one. Now, I've been in small settings with Brett Favre, found him engaging, charming. Uh, all the things that uh, Peter King did and Chris Mortensen and Ed Werder and all the other reporters that he had eating out of the palm of his hand when he played the NFL. I'm not hating because I understand where they're coming from. I, I, I understand. He really could be a charming guy. But his comments about Derek Chauvin remind me of two things. One, some people just don't get it. Some people will never get it because of, I don't know if it's the uniform of police officers or if it's the uniformity of thought that they have had, they've been taught growing up, and they just cannot get out of that slot, they cannot get out of that mold to think that sometimes people who are in public office, sometimes people who have taken an oath, people who are supposed to be public servants, have never even considered servitude, servant leadership. That has never been their motivation for getting into office. And so if you take a certain kind of personality, you give them a badge, a uniform, and a gun, you have yourself a dangerous, often murderous cocktail. That's one thing. Here's the other thing, Mike. Now, that, that, that's, that's, where I'm, that's where I am with Brett Favre. And this is where I can get to my joy. And it was part of the reason I was so nervous before the Derek Chauvin trial began, because I kept thinking about juries. And I kept thinking about jurors, a singular juror. All it took was one Brett Favre to make this thing go left. And that's, that's why, I mean, Brett Favre really crystallized it for me. When he started talking, I was thinking, that's it right there. That's what I'm nervous about. And thank God, thank God we didn't have that because we know Brett Favre is not rare. That is not, his, his comment is not uh, an aberrational comment. He's not some outlier. 
He was just stupid enough to say it out loud to invite criticism. But there are a lot of people who think like that. So I'm glad that we were able to get through this trial without a Brett Favre type throwing off everything, all the the incremental progress that we had uh, coming from the Derek Chauvin trial where he was guilty on all three counts. I'm not crazy. I'm going to talk, I'll say it to you, and I'll say this, and I'll toss it to you. I'm not crazy enough to think that because we got what we were looking for in the Chauvin trial, that all is well in the United States of America. But all was well a couple of days ago in that courtroom because there was not a Brett Favre type throwing things off. Yeah. Let me tell you how much I used to love me some Brett Favre. Because um, you got to remember, um, when I played high school football, uh, and, and played is a generous term, as we've discussed. I'm not going to uh, When I was on the team. I'm not going there. Um, I was a quarterback, uh, and my jersey number was four because of Brett Favre, who obviously famously went to college at nearby Southern Miss, not too far from my hometown of New Orleans. I loved Brett Favre growing up. I, I wore number four. Um, I had several Brett Favre football cards. I loved him in There's Something About Mary. Um, one of my favorite bars of all time in the history of hip-hop is Andre 3000 from The Art of Storytelling, Part 4. Started off starving. Now they got me out here, Brett Favre, and try to see if I still got it. I quote that all the time. Matter of fact, Michael, at one point, early on in my uh, talking head career days. I remember um, this. I remember this. What I'm, yeah. You know what I'm about to say? I made the case yeah. that Brett yeah. Favre was the GOAT. Yeah. I, I, I was, because I, I said, if you, I said, if you, if you had, a, if you had boxes, whether it's like ability or, uh, Availability, because obviously he was in the midst of that Iron Man streak. So ability, right. availability, longevity, uh, productivity, you know, awards. He had the Super Bowl, went to two, won one. Um, I've mentioned productivity statistics. He, at that point, I think three he straight, had every major passing record at that point. MVPs. Three straight MVPs. Three straight, MVPs? Three straight yep. 95, 96, and 97. Three straight MVPs. All right? This was before the days of Peyton Manning when – Oh, yeah, they went in five. But, you know, this is three, three MVPs was sacred. That was reserved for Jim Brown back in those days. So three MVPs, uh, the gunslinger, all the, all the different accolades and attributes attributed to him. I was like, he checks every box. To me, he's the greatest of all time. He definitely is on everybody's Mount Rushmore. He's the greatest of all time. That's how in love with Brett Favre I was. And they say, Michael, it's a good thing you never meet your heroes. And I ain't saying he a hero. Uh, he's not a hero of mine, but I never met him, and thank goodness I never did, because I don't like him now. I just don't like him. And worse than not liking him, I don't like hearing him speak. And the reason I don't like hearing him speak is because he's a damn hypocrite. And that doesn't. And he's not alone. He's not alone in that. There's a lot of hypocrites um, with his political persuasion. But, Brett, hey, Brett Favre, don't say stick to sports and then weigh in on Derek Chauvin, or worse, <laughs> right. not even, not worse, weighing on Derek Chauvin with an ignorant take 
or endorse yeah. Donald publicly endorse Donald Trump, but stick to sports. I don't I don't I don't like my food touching. I don't like I don't like politics in my sports. Like he's every every one of his comments is dripping with privilege. First of all, he's a right. bumbling idiot. Has been for a long time. The next smart thing he says will be the first, at least in my recollection. And I just don't like it. It's like, yo, man, if you want to play in this space, play in this space consistently. But he right. lost. He's lost me when several times he said, you know, stick to sports or I, I'm not for peaceful protests during the national anthem. But hey, Donald Trump got my endorsement. But hey, right. I, I don't think Derek Chauvin intentionally. Meant to kill George What does that Floyd. even I mean, mean? Nine though? minutes and thirty seconds. I mean, I mean nine minutes and thirty seconds. I mean, hey, he lost track. He lost track of time, Michael. That's what it means. He, he just he lost track. He didn't intend to do it. So I feel you, man. And it's just like you you said off the top. Did you want to get back up on, in on far? Because I was going I was going to merge a couple of stories together. I don't, Go I don't ahead, mer- on merge it get together. Back in on yeah, Go ahead, mer- merge far, mer- merge far, because I just don't Who understand. No, I don't. No, you can go ahead and merge it. What, I, what I'm going to say, just the last thing I want to say on him is, whether he intended to do it or not is beside the point. So if he didn't intend to do that, what do you think he was trying to do? Just torture. Hey, listen, I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to scare him. I just wanted him to suffer. I wanted to teach him a lesson. Whatever it is, it was wrong. It was cruel. Did this Brett Favre know the dialogue? The dialogue between Derek Chauvin and and, and George Floyd, where he, says, where he says to Floyd, this is why, this, let me just back up, a second, back up for a second. I'm glad nobody, or most people are not making the case that this was a heat of the moment error. A, a yeah, they didn't even charge judgment. first degree. This was cruelty. Let me take it a, a step yeah. further. This was wickedness. Derek Chauvin is wicked. He's got wickedness in his heart. He sat there. He asked a man pleading for his life, handcuffed, not resisting. Derek Chauvin asked that man, hey, man, what what, what do you want? Sarcastically, obviously. Hey, what, what do you want? He said, I can't breathe. Derek Chauvin responded, takes a lot of oxygen to say that. That is a, this is not about policing. And listen, I'm I'm tired. And let me just say this. Let me say this. I don't care. I don't care who comes at, come, no, at me on this, at me. Some people say, don't at me. No, at me. I'm tired of dancing around and stroking the egos of insecure people who have their jobs in policing. If you are a police officer and you're so insecure that when we're talking about Derek Chauvin, we think you think we're talking about you, I can't help you. I can't help you. I'm tired of that. I'm not playing. I'm tired of stroking the egos of insecure people. When we're talking about so-called police officers like Derek Chauvin, and you think we're talking about you, either we are talking about you and you got to confront it or we ain't got no concern of yours and you just leave that alone and say, I'm, thank God I'm not like that. Because this is, not a, this is not a policing issue. This is somebody who was in a job 
for 19 years, had no business being in the job, was not his first rodeo with, with doing something that was outside of the badge, that was outside of, uh, of, uh, of an, a person with integrity and ethics who tortured a man in the street and wanted to get away with it and had his defense attorney try to put it off on the victim. You made me do it. So anybody defending that, uh, you got you to question yourself. But Derek Chauvin is a wicked individual. And the fact that Brett Favre says that he didn't mean to kill him, well, you got to explain to me, Brett, what you thought he meant to do. If he, didn't, if he wasn't trying to kill him, what in the name of good policing was he trying to do? Uh, that, that's it. I, I'm sorry, I just had to put that in there. So just to be clear, um, it's Brett Favre's hypocrisy that bothers me, not, uh, not his take. Because as you said, there's not a, you know, he's not alone, and he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, for me, it just bothers me that he wants to pick and choose when it's appropriate for athletes uh, who are still citizens to wade into so-called political Conversation. I say so-called political conversation. It's not a political conversation. This is a morality conversation. This is a human conversation. Um, This is about right and wrong, not left and right. So that's what bothers me about Farm. And the reason I just I want to make that clear is because what I'm who who I'm going to pivot to is LeBron James. Because I'm not about to sit up here and tell LeBron James to stick to sports. I just want to speak to the people to whom. He threw an alley-oop yesterday. Or actually, more precisely, he turned the ball over. Because LeBron James is very much, he's the sports equivalent of Maxine Waters for Republicans oh, yeah. and right-wing media good call. and racists. Good like, call. LeBron James is like, oh, snap, LeBron James said something? Oh, dive right in. Let's go. Let's jump on this. And what he did was give them what they were looking for, which was not that they needed it because they would have done it anyway, but he gave people on the right, and ironically the right, but he gave racists their opening to pivot away from the aforementioned Derek Chauvin verdict, to pivot away from George Floyd. And now we can talk about LeBron James rushing a judgment on the shooting of Micaiah Bryant. Now, in case you missed it, and there's no way you could because, uh, you know, he was trending. He posted a tweet right. last night with the officer, Officer Reardon, I believe his name is. Uh, right. The officer who shot Micaiah Bryant four times in the chest and killed her in Columbus, Ohio on Tuesday. Um, and he posted a tweet that said, you're next, with a picture of the officer. Uh, he later deleted that tweet and attempted to explain himself. And what I've come to realize, Michael, is that Kumbaya Mm. is the official anthem for racists. Because what, what never ceases to amaze me is that the people who scream the most about unity and togetherness are racist or worse, neutral. Because as we both know, lukewarm understanding 
is far more frustrating than outright yeah. rejection. All right? So LeBron says he took the tweet down because it was being used to create more hate. The people who are using his words and twisting his words were never on his side to begin with. They were never they were never seeing it from his perspective to begin with. Nobody objective or on the side of right, not just right, Michael, but righteousness. Nobody looked at it, at that picture of Officer Reardon where he said, you're next, and thought that he was inciting violence. Okay? When he said, you're next, he was talking about the same kind of accountability that Derek Chauvin just, thankfully, got in Minneapolis. He didn't say, you're next to be shot or killed or beaten or, or, or we coming for you. He said, you're next. And any reasonable or objective person knows exactly what LeBron James meant. So you may be saying, well, wait a second, not you, Michael, but you may be saying, well, wait a second, he rushed to judgment. Okay. Yeah, he rushed to judgment. He rushed to judgment. Maybe, because it seems like what Officer Reardon did was legally justifiable. But instead of condemning LeBron James, which again, the same people who are condemning him already look at it probably more in line with the way Brett Favre looks at it. But instead of condemning LeBron James, for so-called rushing the judgment, why don't you take the time to understand that LeBron James, the people who look like LeBron James, offer not only on the receiving end of a rush to judgment, but court is literally being held in the street when police, mm. when it comes to unarmed black people, far too frequently, not only rush to judgment, but trial, conviction, sentencing, and execution. So if you want to talk about rush to judgment, that's exactly what George Floyd died at the hands of, was Derek Chauvin and his fellow cohorts and colleagues rush to judgment. So to say, oh, well, you know, LeBron, get your facts straight. Well, if you're really about this oh. unity thing, if you're really about bringing oh, people on. together, come on, take the time to understand where LeBron's frustration and his inclination to make an assumption comes from. Because it never ceases to amaze how they can always figure out a way to not kill white people. Even if they're taking their baton and using it against them, running away with them, hanging off the side of a truck, hitting them with a hammer, carrying an AK-47, having committed mass murder, cussing them out, threatening them, whatever it is, yeah. there's always no alternative but to kill us. But when right. it comes to them, it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll take them alive, whatever whatever it takes. We They take they take the proper caution. Like, look, Micaiah Bryant, I'm not condoning what Micaiah Bryant was doing, and I, I know she had a knife, and it was... I'm not I'm not even judging that situation. But what I am saying is, how come he couldn't mistake his taser for his gun for his taser in that moment? Oh, I don't know. How come it, it never seems to go any other way with us other than ending in death? And Michael, I know you've been dealing with this your entire career because you've been doing this longer than me. Because you want to talk about like tense. The thing that pisses me off to the height of pissivity, as we used to say, <laughs> is for 20 years I've been hearing, oh, you're part of the problem. Yo, you're part of the problem. You're sowing division. This I said to LeBron last night. You're sowing division. Oh, you're part of the problem. All you talk about is race. You're part of the problem. No, racism is the problem. I'm not part of the problem for talking about racism. Racism is the problem. Systemic institutional right. racism is the problem. Not the people who draw attention to it. LeBron James ain't sowing division, says the people who elected the divider in chief. Thank you. 
The same people who are talking about LeBron James is so in division, and you're driving, and you're 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 causing, you're you're driving us apart. They're Trump yeah. supporters ninety nine percent of the time. What are you talking about? Yeah. So it's the hypocrisy of it that bothers me. Could LeBron could could LeBron have waited for the facts? Perhaps he could have. Perhaps he should have. But far too often we don't get that privilege. We don't even get to stand a fair trial. Far too yeah. often. Not to mention, as we pointed out yesterday, and many have pointed out in the aftermath of the Chauvin verdict, Michael, is the so-called facts oftentimes are lies. Lies with, 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 with police department from a, on a police department letterhead. So miss me with the, oh, wait for the facts, or see, LeBron, you know, you're, you're the problem. No, the problem is the very thing that is frustrating LeBron James, frustrating you, Michael Holly, frustrating me, and has frustrated our community for decades and centuries. And so the people talking about unity, they ain't really they ain't trying to take a step toward us. They ain't trying to understand us. They're using LeBron James as as red meat for right wing media for likes and clicks and retweets. And all he did was throw him alley oop. Well, listen, Mike, a couple things, a couple things, and I'll be out of your way. Number one, you said LeBron James turned the ball over. Yeah, he turned the ball over. It wasn't an alley-oop. It was a turnover. But let me tell you what kind of turnover it was. It was not a turnover where he kind of bounced the ball off his leg and it went out of bounds. Or Or he lost control of it. You're you're, going to keep rolling with this one. Oh, I'm going to take this one. I'm just going to extend it. I'm going to extend it. Okay. It it didn't bounce off his leg. He didn't throw a behind-the-back pass. The reason it was an inexcusable turnover, because LeBron James tried to play basketball with somebody who wasn't on his team. He threw the ball to somebody who was not on his team. You can't have a conversation with somebody who's already got an answer in their heads. They're not going to engage you. They've got talking points. That's why I said, Mike, I'm telling you, I'm an easy person to talk to. I have to say, I'm a pretty easy person to talk to. Because you know what one thing I'll do? I'll talk to anybody. I love talking to people. I love it. It's, 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 it's part of the reason I do what I do. I love talking to people. But I cannot talk to people who have these robotic answers and talking points. And If you've got talking points, I can't get with you. So if, if Mike, you're telling I, Mike, me... I've said, I've said repeatedly, my humanity is not a subject of discussion. Right. I That's not even up for I discussion. If it's not even... <laughs> not a debate. The conversation... The conversations, I think, the way I, the way I visualize them is fluid. They're fluid. They're shapeless. So you, I bring everything that I am, all of my experiences uh, as a black man in America, husband, father, son, cousin, brother, all that stuff, journalist, author. I bring all of my experiences into a conversation, and you bring all of yours into the conversation, and it's fluid there. And then as we go back and forth, we shape some 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 masterpiece, some work of art. That's the conversation at its best. But we can't really engage if I come in and I say, I'm going to say this regardless. And the other person says, I'm going to say this regardless. So for example, I'm going to say that the election was stolen regardless. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to get a snowflake line in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, Black okay. Lives Matter is an aggressive organization. It's terroristic, whatever. I'm going to put all that stuff in there. 
And no matter what you say, I'm just going to go back to home base. Okay, I can't have a conversation yeah. with somebody like that. And LeBron James should have known better that you can't. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's not sowing anger. Doing they, they're already angry. Well, right, exactly. But I don't, I don't think, and, and just to be fair, I don't think LeBron was doing that uh, for purposes of stoking or sparking conversation. He's well, deleting. Oh, the delete part. Oh, okay, okay, not not the post. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean the delete? Okay, yeah. fair enough. No, I got right. you. I got you. you. Can't respond. Why, to why even giving them legitimacy? But I got you. But look, yes. That's one. Yeah. Here's the other. Well, maybe, well, maybe he deleted other. it. Maybe, maybe he deleted it before you move on to other thing. Maybe he deleted it because as he gained more information, as more video came out, as more perspective of the shooting came out, it didn't look like. He assumed, and so many of us assumed that it went down. And all I would say to that, don't lose your thought, Michael. All I would say to that is, okay, cool. Like, again, he rushed to judgment. But understand that rush to judgment, okay? If, that, if, if that's how it, if it normally goes the other way, or far more often than people want to acknowledge, it goes the other way, where it isn't a justified shooting. And even in this case, it's okay to question whether the officer had to use four shots to the chest, lethal force. It's okay to Thank question you. whether or not yeah. that that should be the way that they're trained. Yeah. But okay, let's say this is justified. Instead of condemning LeBron for quote unquote getting this one wrong and quote unquote sowing more division, how about working to understand where that mistrust comes from? Because if the police right. and the people who blindly support them, if they want to be pissed. Be pissed at the Derek Chauvin's of the world. Be pissed at the at the uh, Kim Potter's of the world because they have hurt your credibility and legitimacy. Right. If you had any left within the black community, you right. were saying. And, and 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 actually, that point really dovetails into the final point I want to make. And the final point is, I, I I'm tired. You know, LeBron James is tired of. He said uh, in his tweet. He's angry. He's tired seeing black yeah. people killed by the police. Fair point. Absolutely. A lot of us. Uh, black folks are, are tired of it. And, you know, there's some white folks tired of it, too. There are a lot of people of, of, yeah. of yes. many backgrounds yes. who are tired of yeah. seeing the brutality in the streets. And yeah. you're tired of knowing some of the talking points and some of the uh, some of the stories of how it turns out and the apologies and the protests and the tears and the families who are who are without a child in some cases a lot of cases too many cases without a child over something that you look at it and you say well I'm not a cop and keep people always saying it it's a hard job you don't understand no I don't it's one of the reasons I don't do it but it's a hard job so you should know how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, if it's too hard for you, if you go into a situation and you don't know how to de-escalate, how about this? Respectfully, turn in the badge. Turn it in. You're killing people. If you can't stop yourself, if you're shooting when you should be de-escalating, it's a job that you shouldn't be doing. But that's not even my, my, my original point. My original point is this. LeBron James is, says he's angry at black people being killed by police officers. I am tired of the judgment and the, um, the condescending you shouldn't be doing that to those 
who have seen their communities decimated by over-policing and systemic racism. Let me get, let me get biblical for, for some, of, some, some, some of the evangelicals in our audience. Let me get biblical. Psalm 137. So I'm just going to summarize it for you. Psalm 137, uh, these brothers say, hey, our captors, our captors have taken us away from our homeland. Yet they want us to sing. They say, sing a song, sing one of those songs of Zion for us. And these, these brothers say, how can we sing in a strange land? It's a great song by Commission 2, uh, old school, shout out. Um, but how can we sing when we're in a strange land? In other words, all this is happening. We've been displaced, and you're telling us to shut up and dribble, shut up and sing, shut up and write, shut up and stick to sports. Shut up and be an architect. Shut up and be a lawyer, but not a lawyer for civil rights and social justice. Are you kidding me? Now, I'll tell you what's interesting. And a lot of people don't want to talk about this. If you read later in that Psalm, Psalm 137, think about, follow the psychology of those who are asking that question. How can we sing? The conclusion they come to, you don't hear a lot of sermons about it. Read it. I'm not going to give you the answer. Read it. 137. It leaves you hanging. It's a cliffhanger. It's uncomfortable. And that's what happens with oppressed people. Oppressed people, when you're not a, a part of the oppressed, it's easy for you to sit there and say, you should do this and you should do that. Hey, that's not the way to handle it. That's not the way to protest. That's not the way to talk. Oh, you made a misstep there. Why don't you be patient? Why don't you be a little more understanding? You cannot continue to hold people under your thumb. You cannot continue to deny people their rights and expect that everything is going to be cool. That's not, that's not asking for violence. That's not inciting violence. That's reality. That's all I got to say. Am I right or am I wrong when I say kumbaya? Bible study is over. Bible study is over. Am I right or am I wrong when I say kumbaya is the national anthem for racists? Because these people calling for unity and peace, I told you, they don't mean peace, they mean quiet. Okay? They don't mean, they damn sure don't mean justice. They mean quiet. Uh, let's take a break. And, um, you know, actually, I think, um, I think LeBron's Twitter account, well, he didn't give us this topic. We would have talked about it anyway, but LeBron is seeing what the rest of us are seeing on the court. And so uh, I think his Twitter account will pop up. Uh, in our next conversation. But in a stick-to-sports kind of way, though. Okay, that's right. That's the way to do it. That's the only way. That, hey, because, Mike, that's what you signed up for on Brother From Another. You signed up for that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem 
of a detour. Steph Curry virtue also performance last night. Instead, Russell Westbrook had another triple-double on Wednesday night, which basically just means that he did the same thing he does on most days that end in Y. Uh, he had 14 points, 10 assists, and 20 rebounds, Michael. Come on, out. Shut down the previously unstoppable Steph Curry. And then he gave the internet some more good content when he, I don't know if it was intentional or not, basically recreated his, huh, that's interesting meme when told that he leads the league in clutch free field goal percentage. Check this out. Um, you actually lead the NBA in clutch uh, field goal percentage in, in the oh, last five minutes. Really? Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Um, just so, what do you make of that? Oh, I know what I do. I ain't worried about what nobody else thinking. <laughs> That's the one thing about me. It doesn't really matter what nobody else think, you know. But it's okay, you know. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Keep my head straight and just keep hoping. That's all I can do. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. That's my dude. Um. That's my dude. I know. That's our dude. That's our. That's our dude. Our oh, okay. You on now? Okay. I'm on now. I see. I knew you were on now. Are you gonna try to like? See, no. You on, Michael? Let me tell you how far. Hey, driver, slow down. Slow down. We got one. We got one. We got. We got one back there. Slow down. Slow down. Here he comes. Listen, man. Once upon a time, the conventional wisdom was that Russell Westbrook was holding back Kevin Durant. I ain't never subscribed to that. So don't act like you put me on to Russell Westbrook. Now, by comparison, what you're referring to, and nobody remembers this but you. Because you got a memory like an elephant when you want to. When you want to, you remember everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Early in the season, I think somehow a conversation of ours, this might have been even preseason. This was the early days of Brother from Another, back when we had ugly backgrounds. This is before we had our yeah. nice homely look here. There's so much has changed since then, but yet you remember it. Once upon a time, we were arguing about James Harden. I think you were like, oh, James Harden, uh, I take Russell Westbrook over James Harden. And yeah. that's how it appeared as if I was hating on Russell Westbrook. But trust me, I recognize Russ's unique form of greatness. But yes, by comparison, I know this is a big moment. So I'm going to let you have the floor because you've been waiting for this all season, really. We, we've talked about I, we, I don't know how much we've talked about him. We, we talked, have, about, we've him talked just, about Russell. We've talked, talked about, about Russell. Russell. Yeah. And, oh, we've given him his flowers. Yeah, we've, we've talked about him a few times uh, this year. Yeah. And he's just, Mike, I, what I love about Russell Westbrook, I mean, there's so many things I love about him. One, just his size, what he's able to do with his size, I think that's probably the most underrated part of his game. We're not talking about a 6'7 cat getting all these triples. Go ahead, go ahead. Can I can I do some can I do something real quick? I want to I want to read something to you. I want to read. I just I'm gonna read this to you. All right, just bear with me. All right. <clears throat> Thirteen. This is the last eighteen games. I'm just gonna read you numbers over the last eighteen games. All right, you ready? Thirteen, four, eighteen, nineteen, fourteen, fifteen, eleven, fourteen, 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 eleven, fourteen, fifteen, fifteen, fourteen, eleven. And 20. 
That's rebounds. rebounds. <laughs> that's, that's rebounds. I mean, <laughs> this He said I mean, in his last 18 games, he's had one game with single-digit rebounds. In his last 18 games. If you want to go back to his last like, 22 he's games, he's had two games with single-digit rebounds. Over his last 22 games, let me do this on Basketball Reference real quick. Last 22 games, Michael, the dude is averaging 13.4 rebounds and 12 and a half assists, along with 23 points a game. I just, you know, and, and, okay, and, and you tell me this. You tell me this. I, I just want you to be real with me. I want you to be brutally honest with me because we got a brotherhood sometimes. Always. Most of the time. Most of the time we got a brotherhood uh, until you start tripping. But you tell me this. <laughs> Uh, tell me this honestly. Do you think I, I can I can handle the answer? Do you think I'm stubborn? What kind of question is that? I'm asking a question. Do you think I'm stubborn? Is that an honest you question? Think I'm stubborn? Yeah, yeah. Do you think I'm stubborn? Okay, I can't say the thing I wanted to say. It's a family show. <laughs> I can't say that one. I can't say that one either. I, t- I told I you about, not to. Because I was literally about to. Because. But no, but I, I wanted to answer it by first talking about a pig's anatomy. And I said, no, can't say that. But then I was going to talk about um, <laughs> bears and woods and rabbits. Can't say so that. So now I got to figure out what's so a clean bro- that, that sounds like a clean. Yes, si- yes Michael Holly. Yes, you're okay. stubborn. All right. That, yes. Okay. <laughs> I All mean, right. did you? Maybe. Okay. My shirt. I need to. Orange or? I mean. I don't even know what color the shirt is. I don't know. I can't tell. It's an interesting. I like the shirt. It's a nice I just don't know shirt, what color it is. It's a nice shirt. That's what it is. It is, is yeah. a nice shirt. Reddish. Reddish. All right. The reason I ask about stubbornness is because maybe, and I, maybe I need some help with this, my stubbornness won't allow me to say, it's done. Stop doing this. It's not going to happen. Because what I want to see, I want to see a smart general manager kind of shape a team around Russell. Just and, and that's not saying, hey, Russell scored 50 a game. Just shape, okay, like like some teams will shape a team around uh a big but man. We saw that. Say every we saw that? that. He had he had that in Oklahoma. He had that in Oklahoma City when no, he didn't. Left. No. No, no, the team was not and, shaped and I, around him. Sam Presti's smart. It wasn't? Oh, well, but not intentionally. Not intentionally. I'm talking about they they did the best that they could. Durant left. They didn't expect Durant to leave. So he's standing there holding a the bag. I'm just saying, I know it can't happen now. There's no expansion team. I'm saying, just in a perfect world, you got an expansion team. You've got Russell Westbrook as the only guy on the roster. How then would you build the rest of the roster to accommodate all the things that Russell is? Because I think he's so un, like underappreciated. Not underrated, just underappreciated. I think he does. He brings so much to a game that he has been in situations <laughs> right. that have not been conducive to who he is. I think he's a star. Well, he's I, a superstar who has not been in ideal, ideal situations. Well, Michael, multiple things can be true. One, you're not in the minority. I mean, Russell Westbrook has been a superstar for a long time, so that's not a blatant. I didn't say. Hot take. I didn't say this is. Under- I didn't say that was a hot take. No, I'm saying I'm saying, I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying it's it's I, I, yes, obviously he's a superstar. Is what I'm saying. Yes, he's a superstar. Has he been? Is he underappreciated? And this is what we talked about. He did. We talked about this. He, he set some record. I forgot which record it was, but he set some record. And this is what we talked about. 
We talked about the fact that far, for far too long, Russ has been viewed through the prism of what he isn't versus what he is, what he doesn't right. or can't do versus what he does and can do. Um, he is not a great outside shooter. He's not even a good outside shooter. And his game is not for everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, however, there is no denying that he is a singular, um, wait for it, Michael, all-time talent. <laughs> yes. We've never seen anybody yes, like him. To all the, for, all the points you made, for all the points you made earlier, we've never seen anybody like him. My hope yes, at this point, great. here's my hope, and no, no disrespect to the Heat, uh, the Hornets, or the Pacers, but now they're in 10th at 25 and 33. They're in the playing tournament as of today. I would love to see them uh, get in to the playoffs um, and see just how miserable Russ could make either Philadelphia's or now. I know you love stories. I know you love stories. I'm yeah, willing yeah, to yeah, say, yeah, Michael, that I you would it. trade. You would okay. You would trade the number one seed. Yes, I would. At home court in Eastern Conference. Yes, to I Brooklyn. would. Sign and you would take a second round matchup with the Bucks yes. before you get to the Nets in exchange yep. to sit back and watch anywhere from Deal. four to seven games of Nets Wizards. And Verbal watch Russ go against KD. Yeah, you. I, I know you would take. I know you would sign up for that. I know you would take that. Yeah. So yeah, half a game, the Nets are still a half a game back of the Sixers. And if the Wizards can get into that eighth spot, we got Nets Wizards in round one. And yes, please, may I have another? So. Yeah, that would be fun. We finally we finally found something we agree on with the Nets. We both want to see them play the Wizards. So <laughs> no, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, we got companies standing by, so make it quick. What you got? Good, yeah, real quick. Um, I'm glad you think I'm stubborn. Okay. I won't forget that. I think you're stubborn? That's not an opinion. It's not an opinion. Okay. Okay. Let's just go to break then. Okay. Let's just go to break. Oh, you just, want, go to oh, break. You just want to say that? Let's go to break. I'm done talking. I ain't upset. Ooh. No, I'm not uh, upset. No? I'm fine. No? I'm fine. Good. I'm good. But Michael, I mean, I, it, takes one to, it takes one to know one. But wait, you know it takes one to know one. So that wasn't, I mean, you know. I asked for it. If you're stubborn, what does that make me? I no, 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 no. No, I'm saying if you're stubborn, what does that make me? Another word we can't say on TV or whatever this platform is. You know? Another word. Another. I'm trying to think of what that word is. Go ahead and say it. You can say it. It starts with, a, it starts with an A. Starts with an A. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Know thyself. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, while we were uh, talking about Russell Westbrook, Michael Holley, one of DT's finest was... Uh, had his chest poked out, I'm told. Uh, the homie Reese Waters hosted a Reese Waters show, also the District of Champions podcast, uh, and, and a Wizards fan, a, a long-suffering Wizards fan, was appreciating uh, Russ' appreciation moment. So, Reese, uh, fill, in the, fill in the gaps. 
First of all, thank you guys for having me. I want to apologize to both of you for coming in looking like Jamie Foxx and the soloist. The issue is I got the radio <laughs> show going on and, and I'm in between TV gigs. So I was like, okay, well now I can let my hair grow. I can save a few dollars. So I told my barber he could take a couple of months off. That's why I'm out here looking like I go to Chicken George Barber right now. I just want y'all to know I wasn't expecting <laughs> to have video on me. But you look good, man. You look good. You good, bro. I appreciate you. Look, man, if you want to know what it's been like for a Wizards fan, this tells this says it all. Uh, Russell Westbrook broke the franchise record for the most triple doubles career in 38 games. Okay, the record for the Wizards slash Bullets most triple doubles was held by Daryl Walker with 15. Russell Westbrook broke it in 38 games. Yo, there is footage of this team playing in the in the in the aughts, in the nineties, in the eighties. We won a championship in the seventies. We've been playing basketball for decades, and Russell Westbrook <laughs> came in and broke the franchise record for triple doubles in thirty-eight games. So that should show you what we've been growing up as a bullet slash Wizards fan. You remember when Rob Lowe had on that hat that just said NFL on it? Remember that, and everybody clowned him. Uh, That's I think so. That's, yeah. what that's what it's like growing up as a bullet slash. Was we just fans of basketball? Because you can't be fans of that team. We walking around with like the NASCAR <laughs> jackets with all the insignias on it. Like I just, I just want to see a good game because we definitely wasn't going to see wins. So uh, we are, we are like over the moon with this team right now. It doesn't take much to get us convinced and be on it. But one thing that that touched me with Russ, he went back and forth with the media a couple of a couple of weeks ago because people were saying, what do his numbers mean if the team isn't winning? And he clapped back and started talking about the fact that he's already a winner because he's he's came from where he came from and he's he supports right. his family and, and the stuff he does in the community. And that got me to thinking because when we talk about Russell Westbrook, we're not talking about him in the context of a, a normal NBA player um, or a normal human being. We talk about him and compare him to the rarefied era of the LeBron James and, and the Kevin Durant and the Steph Curry's. So when people criticize him, they're criticizing him out of love because it's understood that we recognize what a great athlete that he is. So what you're saying is, given what a great athlete Russell Westbrook is and what his capabilities are, these are the things that could take him over the top to be one of those other guys. But if you're Russell Westbrook and you don't always hear the preamble, you always hear how great we think he is and what his capability is. If all that he's hearing is a negativity and poking at his game, I could understand him feeling some type of way. And it actually kind of reminded me. So, well, I was going to say, it reminded me of like, if you have a relationship like my mom, for instance, right? My mom is very, (laughs) critical of of what I do, right? She's she always had, oh, you could have said this better, you could have done that better, you could have worn a different shirt. She definitely have something to say about my shape up right now. I was gonna know? say, hey, wait, wait, and that was before she saw the hair. Oh man, yeah. it's gonna be crazy. She definitely now. Has something to say about that. But she's saying it because she feels like I have the ability to be better, right? She's saying it out of love. Yeah. But for me, if all I'm hearing is constant poking and prodding and negativity, I could be like, well why like where is the appreciation for what I actually am doing? So I don't think that we actually express that enough appreciation for what Russell Westbrook is. Because let's be honest, we're not comparing him to the Troy Browns and the Reggie Jacksons. He's being compared to the Steph Curry's and 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 yeah. the, the, 
Chris Pauls and the James and the Isaiah, all, all of the great players of, of historically of who he's being compared to. I'm glad you mentioned Chris Paul. So look, I hear what you're saying, Reese, and as per usual, you're saying it in a much more thoughtful, nuanced, and and reasonable way than most people. So I understand exactly what you're saying. But I think the problem isn't Russ and how he's perceiving it. The problem is us. Because I think that I think we 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 oversimplify and we dumb down, no disrespect, we dumb down our conversations to about individuals to team accomplishments. It's like my, and Michael Holly knows this. Michael's been keeping up for Russ, you know, all offseason and into this season. Like, Russ, the Rockets didn't lose to the Lakers last year because of Russ. Russ was playing phenomenal basketball, dealt with COVID, got hurt. They ran into the Lakers. They lost. You know, they, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Warriors. Kevin Durant bounced and avoided responsibility. He got criticized for joining the Warriors, but avoided responsibility for the 3-1 Collapse because the narrative was that Russ was quote unquote holding him back, which was BS, right? I say all that to say this, Reese. A lot of players, a lot of great players will not win a championship. Why don't we, as media and fans, why don't we just appreciate fans or players for doing exactly what they're paid to do, which is entertain us? Because, and this is why they all joining up and forming super teams instead of waiting on their teams to make super teams. Because they know that it takes more than just their individual brilliance and their, to, to, to affect their circumstances. So if Russell Westbrook retires without a ring, if Chris Paul retires without a ring, does that mean they're a failure? Does that mean they underachieved? Or like Reggie Miller and Charles Barkley and Carl Malone and so many others, the stars didn't align for them and they just weren't able to, their team wasn't able to get it done. But nonetheless, they did their job. And Russ is nothing if not entertaining. Yeah, look, to me, it becomes a chicken and the egg argument, right? Because a lot of sports and the debates that we have, uh, not only fans, but also the media gets dumbed down, as you say, to ring counting. And so the athletes themselves in seeing that were like, okay, well, if that's the way that you're going to define our careers, then we're going to, to the extent that we can, find ways to accumulate rings. And they get criticized for that. So on the one hand, if exactly. you, don't, you don't consider the greater circumstance and the greater context to why somebody didn't win a ring, that's out the window. We might consider that the next day or maybe the next week, but generally the greater context to what happened to, to, to players in those moments gets lost. So I'm like, you, okay, so if you're going to ring Did he, did he bump into his own knee? Did he bump into his own knee yeah. or was that Patrick Beverly? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean – you know, it's just stuff happens that, that you know, I don't I yeah. have my criticisms of Russ's game. Michael knows this, but I know. the idea that if he's ringless, he's somehow not getting the most out of his talent is crazy. One well, thing that's fascinating to me about Russ, I'm like, can you no, imagine? Ahead, ahead, ahead. Can you? Well, the NBA has had all these different incarnations where different skills were at a premium and highly valued, right? And so we happen to be at a time in which perimeter shooting is the most valued thing. But can you imagine what a problem Russ would have been in the early 20 teens or in the aughts or in the 90s or in the 80s? 
that physical capability. Normally, when we talk about taking players out of their era, we're taking players out of the 80s and 90s and putting them in today. Can you imagine what a problem Russ would have been in the 90s, as rugged and physical as that game was? Everybody loves to talk about uh, talk about it as if it was this glorious thing, right? But like, if you take Russ and the way that he plays and his ability to get to the rim and put him in a different era, you would be talking about not just an all-time great, but an all-all shortlist all-time great. Yeah, back, I, I back saw when it didn't matter, Michael. I, they couldn't shoot threes. I, I saw him, though. I saw, I saw him. I saw Russ already, uh, but he's on uh, Russ without weight training. Was Fat Lever? Fat Lever played for the. Uh, huh. Look it up, boys and girls. For those who don't remember, yeah. Fat Lever. Yeah, little guard used to get guard, used to get twenty rebounds, all kind of stuff. All right, look. Uh, I'll say this, Reese. Before I ask you about my next topic, when the Wizards do win a championship, and they will win. It's just going to be very emotional when we look back at all the players who played for the team that people have forgotten about. Like you mentioned Daryl Walker, and it just made me think of like all the people who have who played for that franchise that we've just forgotten, whether it's Chris Webber, Juwan Howard, Bernard King used to play for the Wizards, like Moses Malone, like Rod Strickland, Rasheed Wall. I mean, it's unbelievable the talent that has come through there and they make their name somewhere else. You know, Rick Mahorn made his name with the Pistons, but he played for the Wizards slash Bullets. It's nuts. Anyway, I'm glad, tell me about I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Moses because people forget that Moses even played for the Bullets and he was the greatest player of my childhood. So let me say that again. The greatest player that I watched for, for in, in my childhood was Moses Malone with the Bullets during the portion of his career that's omitted from any Moses Malone retrospective. They don't even like to talk about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, man, tell me about statehood real quick. Um, you know, do you want D.C. to become the 51st state, or is that something that, uh, that you're not interested in? Well, look, however full enfranchisement comes to the people who reside in the District of Columbia, whether it's statehood, whether you have some sort of amendment that allows for full voting rights, however that needs to happen, um, I feel like it's very long overdue. We actually did a deep dive on this uh, with the new uh, 7 p.m. show we're working on, WSA 9. But for those of you that don't know, the reason why D.C. looks like a potato chip that fell on the floor, right? It has that little, like, crack out of it. It was actually designed as a perfect diamond. It was 100 square miles. Um, was 69 from Maryland and 31 from Virginia. And yes, I'm salty as a Marylander that Virginia gave up less land and they're like three times the size, but that's not the point. So as time went on, the people that were living in that portion that used to be Virginia, that was now D.C., A, they refused to stop slavery, which was a big point of contention. And the federal government, as opposed to saying, hey, we're not saying you can't have slavery in general. Could you just not have slavery in this little piece that we're trying to create and make a federal dish? Like, is that is that at all possible? Would that would that trouble you enough to just not have slavery in this little piece? They could have done that. They chose not to. So they decided that they were going to eject that portion of Virginia. Virginia actually wanted to take the land back because the people that lived there couldn't vote and didn't have it. So when it when it was left to them whether or not they wanted to stay, they were like, okay, well, we can't have our slaves and we can't vote. We're going back to Virginia. So that happened back in the 1800s, the early 1800s. So I'm like, okay, if it was good enough for voting rights along with slavery, but if it was good enough for that to be an issue, 
that allowed you to diminish our, our nation's capital by 31%, then how is it that the people that are left in the portion that's still our nation's capital, that part that used to be Maryland, how is it that it's good enough for them? It wasn't good enough for the people in Virginia. You let them go back to Virginia and vote. But it's good enough for the people in Maryland here some 20 hundred odd years later. It, it's completely nonsensical. And when people argue this, a lot of it goes back to like these traditionalist arguments and, and, and what the founding fathers were and what they thought. That's already been amended. OK, what, what was originally designed to be has already been amended. So that argument holds no water for me whatsoever. Hey, man, before we uh, before we get you up out of here. Um, and again, if you don't follow Reese on Instagram, uh, you're missing out. It, 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 basically, a, a, a current events machine, a news network on your own with uh, with your recap of 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 all things, current events, whether it's. Uh, news, pop culture, uh, a must follow on IG. So I, I have a sense of your answer to this. But before we get you out, uh, I haven't talked to you since the, the verdicts on um, uh, on Tuesday in the Chauvin trial. Um, just where is your where's your headspace right now? And, and how are you feeling uh, before we let you go? I appreciate that, Mike. And, and we had a really good conversation uh, on the radio. I can put that link back up. But thank you for coming on, Michael. You got to come on, too, as no well. Um Anytime. You know, it's interesting because when I first heard the verdict, first of all, we all had to wait for it, right? It was like, it's coming, and everybody jumped on the timeline, and so you got everybody's feelings. I didn't really dive in at that particular point in time, but I was registering people's feelings. And I, it looked to me like people, largely um, people of my mindset and certainly people of my skin ten- my skin tenor, um, were cautiously optimistic but largely very apprehensive for not wanting to have any expectations. And that to me is significant regardless of what the verdict was because the verdict being guilty on all charges relative to what I saw is the correct one. And so I I do want to say that there was some relief in that regard, but the amount of, of apprehension and doubt that I felt up until that moment is as indicative of where we are, if not more indicative of where we are, than the verdict itself. And so my initial reaction of relief was met with um, a cacophony of, 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 of celebration, or I guess an, an exaltation of relief from other people. And what hit me about that, Michael and Mike, is that It's wild to me that what we were so apprehensive about receiving and the thing that we are now expressing so much relief in receiving is the bare minimum of what should be promised to us as citizens. It's literally the bare minimum to have a man held accountable for a crime that we all saw on video 11 months ago. I'm like, that is unbelievable to me you know what i mean it's unbelievable to me and and it really speaks to the this whole experience fitting nicely in the book of black experience in america is that we're asking for the absolute bare minimum and we've received it so rarely that we actually are put in a position of feeling relief and joy and getting that which should be promised to everybody and so 
I was left feeling empty and a little bit sad at the end of the day, which is, which is, which is kind of weird to say because, again, it did go the way that I hoped that it would go. But right. the postscript of it was, was, was uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Well said. Oh, that's well, well said, said man. my brother. Hey, we appreciate you, Reese, man. Come back again. Come kick it with us again soon. Uh, I got a bone listen, to pick with y'all. Uh, Michael and I. Oh, good. I got a bone to pick with y'all. Y'all were talking about. What's that? Y'all were talking about your favorite feature artists, okay? You got Method Man. I heard Black Thought. Neither one of y'all going to say 2 Chains. Neither one of y'all going to say 2 Chains is such a good good feature artist. That's a good one. My man has solo albums we didn't even listen to, and then all of a sudden he started featuring. We're like, I got to go back and listen to his solo stuff. I treat 2 Chains like a solo. He's in in the conversation. Okay. He's in the conversation. Yes, in the conversation. We miss a lot of people. We miss a lot yeah, of people, yeah. but we ha- yeah. we're happy to have the contribution. There you go. There you go. It's I, a running I, list. I, all right, man. I we appreciate, we appreciate you. Come back. Uh, we we both rooting for it to be Wizards Nets in the first round. So get through Come the play. Come on, play bring it on. Nets overtake Sixers. Let's get that KD and Russ reunion. Uh, I bet you KD won't forget him after that. So we'll see you again hey. soon. You in it for the content, I am too. Thank you, guys. All right. All right, man, be good. Especially when the Wizards win that series. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yo, Mike, um, this new... Jersey number rule change, which the players changing their numbers got to pay for the existing inventory for jerseys this year. I didn't like it because I just thought it was unnecessary. I just thought it was unnecessary. Right. Like, like keep that in college. Like, set, we got, now we got 17 games. We got running backs wearing single digits. Like, stop. Well, Brady apparently has some kind of a strategic X's and O's rule. And we used to hearing Brady say, 54 is the mic, 55 is the mic. So he's like, good luck trying to block the right people. And he was really on one. He was really pressed, as they say. He was like, why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Why have numbers? Just have color jerseys. Why not wear the same number? He called it dumb and added the NFL and the NFL PA. He says, get like ready for it. a lot of uh, bad football. Well, I like it, Chris Sims. And Michael Holly, because it's it's very Belichickian of Tom. Like he may not be with Belichick anymore, but it seems like the kind of thing that Belichick would complain about. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So so right. Chris, as a quarterback, he's talking. He is talking about you know obviously literally X's and O's and Billy's and Joes and and identifying you know protection and calling out the you know the dual protection schemes. It's like, do you see where he's coming from in terms of the difficulty? People think this is fun. But it doesn't sound like Brady's happy about this at all in terms of doing his job. No, I, I mean, he's not. He, he shouldn't be. It's going to make life harder on him. You know, especially a guy who's a magician, and of course, you know, before the snap and getting everything in order, right? Oh, wait. All right, that's, you know, there's certain codes of football to knowing, like, wait, if they bring the safety blitz, here's the two or three coverages or things they're going to do behind it, right? Oh, now it's the corner blitz. Okay, there's there's going to be the two or three things that come with that when you do a corner blitz and all those type of things. So this is going to make life really hard on the quarterback and the center to figure out 
wait, is this guy over here a linebacker, a safety, a secondary guy? You know, because, of course, as an NFL quarterback or any smart game planner, you want big people on big people, right? You want, you'd like to have, all right, there's a blitzing linebacker and a blitzing safety. I'd like to have my offensive line get to the blitzing linebacker and leave the safety for the running back and doing all those type of things, right? So that's where it's going to make it very, very confusing. It's the same reason sometimes you see certain rosters where they don't really differentiate like linebacker or defensive lineman. It's just like D DL and linebacker. And, the, and you're like, wait, is he an outside linebacker? Is that a defense attack? They're doing that. So you can't really figure out who's who, even though that doesn't matter as much, but it is going to make life hard. It's, it's a point I wish I would have brought up on the show earlier this morning. Uh, I think Brady's points are mm. real. And like Michael Smith, off of what you said, I'm with you. Like, come on. The NFL's fine the way it is. Why are we messing with so much right. stuff? It ain't okay. broke. Hold on, hold on. It ain't hold broke, on. man. Man, it ain't college. Hold it's on. for kids. I'm glad you didn't bring it up on the show. Now, the only person I love more than Thomas Edward Patrick Brady is Christopher David Sims. Okay, now I'm down with both of y'all, but give me a break. Now, wait a minute. You mean to tell me Tom Brady, I saw him play in Michigan. He actually did play in Michigan, contrary to popular belief. He was 20-5 and five there, so he started some games. He won his last game. And I'll tell you, at the University of Michigan, you know who they, who they had at Ohio State? They had linebackers wearing number 45, and they had defensive ends like Chase Young wearing number two. You mean to tell me you can't adjust? To a single digit? You figure it out. The linebacker, no, he's not wearing number 55. That linebacker is now number five. That defensive back is now number one. Yeah, come on. Stop it. Who wore 45? Who wore 45 at linebacker for Ohio State? Chris Spielman. We challenge you. Who? Chris Spielman. Oh, I know. I remember Big Cat. Remember Big Cat? Andy Katzenmoyer. That's the number. Yeah, right. right. But that's the whole number. You're you're right, Michael. I mean, you're he's gonna figure it out. He is. I mean, it's, it's, all the quarterbacks are gonna figure it out. It's gonna make life harder, though. There's no doubt. And here's where I think the the ultimate ultimate scenario where it might make things really tough, especially in an in-game situation. Yeah, you go into the game, you know who the starting nickel defense is, the starting base defense is, all of that. Let's say. That defense has a few injuries, though. And now you start to get into some down-the-line backup guys. And, you know, you haven't seen them on film the first five weeks of the season. You don't really know. Like, you know, you're not sitting there, like, as a quarterback studying this fifth guy on the roster at the safety position and all that stuff. Or the linebacker. You're going about what you see on film, how they use those guys. Now you have a few injuries, and you're like, oh, wait. All right, wait. You know, 52's the mic, there's Ray Lewis, but wait, now Ed Reed is wearing seven, and the linebacker next to him is wearing nine, right? Okay, I got that. I know Ed Reed and the linebacker, but now let's just say Ed Reed and the other linebacker got hurt. We don't know who's coming in. It's a down-the-line guy. It's like 52's the mic. Wait, now number six and 12 are there. I don't know who the hell's who, and I'd like to have, like I said before, the lineman on the bigger guy and the running back on the smaller guy. It's not a game changer. It's just going to make life harder. And I do think you'll see some in-game mess-ups maybe as you go along because of it because 
hey, the running back in the backfield on third down is going to think he's got one guy because of a the game moves fast, as you guys know. It's a blur. It's a bunch yeah. of snapshots. And that was one thing you could use in your advantage to not have to overthink. Uh, it's not a total game changer, but going to be a pain in the butt for quarterbacks and centers especially. It's, 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 it's very get off my lawnish of him. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's when you've been doing something for a long time. You know, it's like, what's more annoying yeah. than when, like, the cable company changes the guide and all the channels are different? Right. Like, come on, man. Now I got to right. scroll. Like, all these numbers. I'm, I'm used to, por- to turning the channel 200. Now I got to, it's just, he'll, he'll get As it. long he'll as they it. don't let the um, D linemen go to that, I think they'll be able to manage it. If you got into the D linemen yeah. starting to wear single digits and stuff like that, that could get real yeah. complicated. And the last thing I'll to say to Michael Holly, to your point, is NFL defenses are so much more complex and diverse than college football. You know, that's elementary. That's four plus four. We're talking about advanced algebra once you get to the NFL, and that's where it, it, it can be a little confusing. So I'm not, I'm not mad at Brady for his take here. I get it. Yeah, it just goes uh, don't to be the critical hey, part of the game. Don't be throwing those complicated math equations my way. Four plus four. Now, <laughs> I'm not a math. It just not a math guy. It just goes to show you how how critical so identification is. Um, yeah. So yo, right. Um, this is this is this is uh, this is fun. So we're a week away from the draft. This time next week, we will be uh, getting ready for the draft. First round of the draft. That is. There's nothing better than the anonymous quote. No, no better fodder than the anonymous quote. And I've been sitting on this one uh, since, well, just, just since yesterday, but I've been waiting to get the two of you together. So this is from The Athletic, and these are a couple of quotes on Zach Wilson's prospects oh, here we in go. New York. I don't know if you saw this already, Chris. I don't know if you saw Trying this. i talk about my kids now. Um, this is one NFL quarterback coach on Zach Wilson's chances in New York City. Quote, Zach playing right away in that market with his play style, woof, that make me really nervous. And he goes on to say, if I had to bet money, I bet it doesn't work out with him, for him, with the Jets. This is an NFL quarterback coach. Now, um, I don't, I don't know, Chris. You probably know this on top of your head. Who's the quarterback coach for the 49ers? Because <laughs> maybe, maybe the 49ers quarterback, <laughs> maybe that exactly. person is like, that's what we really want to see at three. <laughs> so, but no, all Actually, jokes aside. you're asking me right now. I don't know who the quarterback, I'm like, I don't even know if I know who the, the quarterback coach is of the 49ers. It's yeah. his name's Kyle Shanahan. I, I, that's who I put there. I don't, no, I don't yeah. know. Right, exactly. I'll, I'll look up who's got the title while you answer this question. But no, I, I'm just, is yeah. there anything to that? You know, a, a Utah guy, Mountain West guy. New York's obviously a very difficult market, especially difficult if you struggle. A lot of people know that. Based on what you know yeah. about Zach Wilson, his makeup, what you know about Robert Sala, what the Jets are doing, all of it. This is an organization where quarterbacks have gone to die. Uh, you know, so yeah, right. tell me what you think about that, yeah. that, uh, that concern by an anonymous NFL quarterback coach. I think it's always a concern with New York, right? You got you to gotta know the guy to go, like, first off, can he handle New York? Like you said, Michael Smith. I mean, it, it's a different animal as far as the scrutiny, the people up here in the Northeast. They're not afraid, you know. I mean, I always was walking around people telling me, hey, your dad sucks. Phil Simms sucks. I want to be like, damn, he played good yesterday. What are you talking about? That's, just the, <laughs> that's New York, you know. We heard this stuff with, like, 
Justin Herbert last year, right? Oh, he's a bubble boy. He's never left Oregon. He's never left the bubble. He's not going to be okay if he goes somewhere else. Well, he was okay, uh, turns out. You know, I, I think first off, here's, here's my first statement, and this is going to be a little bit of a bold one. Man, there's a lot of quarterback coaches in the NFL who don't know crap. That'd be the first thing I'd tell you right off the bat, okay? I'm not going to win a lot of friends that way, but that's just my honest opinion of it. I'm not going to hold back on that. The next thing I would say is, man, you know, with Zach Wilson, the, the thing I would find it hard to believe that he wouldn't fit in, you know, he just, for me, seems like a showman almost loves the the bright lights and, oh, you don't think I can do it. You know, that type of attitude. And I know he's got the work ethic behind it and all of that, you know, just from people I talk to and all that. So that's the part that I makes me feel good. And, man, between the way he plays and the pro day where everybody was watching, he seemed pretty damn comfortable going, watch these lasers I'm going to throw from every which angle you've never seen somebody do during a pro day. So, again, I don't know the guy personally. I have enough information to feel totally comfortable towards those type of aspects and things. New York's going to be tough. I can tell you that firsthand from, from growing up in it. But I, I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. And I think Sala and, of course, Mike LaFleur, who they have there, they're smart guys. They're not going to try to just put it all on the quarterback right from the get-go and be like, hey, we think you're Aaron Rodgers. Carry us. Take it over. No, they're going to play run, defense, yeah. and I think they'll take care of him the right way to, to let him slowly adjust to the NFL and the New York environment. You know, uh, Chris Sims, um, about, I think it was about 10 years ago, I uh, did a, a, a draft book. And I had an opportunity to spend some time with Bill Belichick. And the first thing I said, I said, what, what do you do? What do you do going into a draft? What's the first thing you do before you do anything else? He said that the most important thing about the draft, no matter where you're drafting, is to know the entire draft. Do your homework. So you never know what's going to happen. Do your homework. Even if you don't think you have the first pick, you should know about the first pick. You should know about the 270th pick. And you have done your homework. I know you have. Uh, it's a week before the big test, a week from today. And if you look at it, now that you've looked at every position, non-quarterbacks, who's your favorite or a couple of your favorite prospects out of all of these guys, just two of them, non-quarterbacks, two of your favorite prospects, and why? Well, after studying the tight ends, I mean, listen, it's hard not to love Kyle Pitts, Okay. I mean, I've never seen a tight end move the way he moves and do the things he does in the passing game. I really haven't. It's, it's pretty remarkable, and it's not just about the pretty stuff either. The guy's got some dog in him and will block and be legit. That's why I'll sit there and go. He's got great taste think, in music. He's, well, I, great heard, taste I remember him last week. Great taste. I know. He's got all yeah. the old schools. I, I remember. Luther. I heard it last yeah. week. I mean, I yeah, so he's, he's uh, very mature that way. I mean, the wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, I, I just feel like they can't miss prospects. That would be two that I would say right off the bat, that just when you asked me the question, they jumped into my brain right off the bat. Yeah, Chase is an explosive, awesome football player. You put the ball in his hands, and he's going to make people miss and outrun people and break tackles. Devontae Smith, 
listen, I know he's skinny, but damn, he's as good as any wide receiver I've ever seen come out in the draft since I've been doing this stuff. I think he is awesome. So I say those are the first two guys that jump off jump off the bat to me. I love the Jalen Phillips guy from Miami, as I've told you a bunch. I really think he's a top 10 talent and the best pure pass rusher in this draft. And honestly, I don't even actually think it's close as far as the pass rushing department. I think he is clearly the best guy there. So I said that would be one of my, you know, three favorites right there. I'm probably, you know, you know I love Caleb Farley. I just don't know where that goes. But I've never seen a corner that big move the way he moves. Uh, That would be some of, ooh. And then Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. What? What? J-O-K. Man, Jay, J-O-K, you better make sure you're okay you're after you get hit by J-O-K. I know that because he will knock your head off. Bruh. He doesn't. He gives That's zero Fs about physical contact, yes. and he is fun to watch. I, I, I mean, so that might like be two, my real man crush of the draft. Yeah, like Where is he going to play, though? Somebody who can wear a single digit, he can wear a single digit. Because he's probably is more he, of a safety than a linebacker, but I, is he Jamal Adams? Those. Is he like a Jamal that, Adams? He's or, not that big. He he could be. Yeah, he's not as big as Jamal Adams, but he could be. He could easily be Derwin James or you know be Darius Leonard. I mean, whatever the hell you want to make him, yeah. just put him six yards from yeah. the ball and say, "Go get the damn yeah. guy," because that's what he can do. Right. Or cover so that he's not going to be the cover that right. guy. Or, get that right. Guy, rush the I, passer. Oh. I saw him in person, Michael Smith. I guess that was two years ago because I used to do NBC on Notre Dame, right? And I remember yeah. the year he was about to take over. I'm at training camp, and they're doing nickel coverage drills. And I'm going, damn, this guy's a big nickel. Who the hell is this guy? And I'm going, damn, he's <laughs> right. the best one out of the whole group. He's the best coverage guy they got. They go, oh, yeah, he's going to be our weak side linebacker this year. I was like, wow. Yeah. So I've seen yeah. him in person the way he's wired, the way he plays. And Michael Holly, to answer your question, like the teams that like bigger linebackers aren't going to love him, but the Raiders who play that same scheme, Seattle does, or the Chargers, or the Colts, right. it's poor, that kind of guy. Poor. I would yeah. think like the Raiders at 17 would love him, uh, or those Seattle yeah. scheme type of teams that are going to love him for sure. The Jets, if he's sitting there at 23, I, would, I could see them yeah. taking him. He's that kind of guy. I guess ultimately I think he's more of a Fred Warner, Darius Leonard type maybe than I do a safety. Hey, that's good company. I was going – I had one more, that, but I'm going to cheat. I got two more. I'm not going to ask him at the same time. But, but Gary, let's put the, let's put the rankings back up. Because actually, Chris, we did almost all your positions with you. I don't think we did – Michael, did we do linebacker with Chris? I don't think we did linebacker. I don't, know uh, I don't remember doing linebackers. I don't think we did linebacker. Uh, the thing about nope. Parsons, JOK – and even Collins in particular. I'll just do the top three. Like, all off-ball linebackers, I think Parsons and Collins could also play in the 3-4 as well. But it's like, dude, the versatility, because correct me if I'm wrong, and I believe JOK goes, they could all rush the passer as well. Like, Parsons, you know, he could put his hand in the dirt. Collins could put his hand in the dirt. They can, they can both set the edge. They could play inside. Like, Parsons and Collins in particular because they're bit bigger. But the versatility of your top three When's the last time you've seen three guys be this versatile uh, yeah. in terms of first-round linebacker talents? They feel like they can play in almost any system. They'll play any system. And all three There's downs. no doubt about it. I mean, if you made me bet money, I would say Parsons is going to be the first defensive guy 
off the draft board. Like, I'm, I'm going to say he goes number nine to the Broncos with Vic Fangio right now. That's going to be what I'm going to put in my mock draft. You know, Vic Fangio's had, he was in the 49ers with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. He went to the Bears as a D coordinator. They got Danny Trevathan and drafted Roquan Smith. I think they need a middle linebacker mm. bad. I see him being there. And, like, to your point, you know, there's the old, like, oh, he's a three-down linebacker, right? All that type of stuff. Like, I don't really give a damn about the three-down stuff anymore. I think the more proper way to say it is, like, he's any formation, any personnel set linebacker. He's staying on the field. Oh, you got four wide receivers? He's on the field. Oh, you're going big boys, three tight ends, and, you know, a running back? He's still on the field. We're not taking him off. It doesn't matter. So that's how I look at those top three guys. There's just really no package you're going to put on the field where they're going to have to, like, Oh, the coach is going to be like, well, he can't do this. Let's take him out and put somebody else right. in. That's right. and, and they have a tremendous skill set. Parsons, as big yep. as he is to move the way he does and all that, all three of them are special that yeah. way. But Parsons surely is the cream of the crop for me. There is, and, there is and going Michael backwards Smith, as, they are, as they are going forward. And Michael Smith, um, uh, John Swatsky, the interview guru, called me up yesterday and said, don't let Michael Smith do that double I, barrel thing again. I asking like I two didn't. questions at once. So I'm going to feed my time and I'm going to allow you to ask your next question <laughs> separate you. from the first question. All right. I'm gonna, you go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I did it. I did it together yesterday because of the interest of time. But I know better than ask double barrel questions because usually the person answers the second one and forgets the first one. OK, so, uh, Chris, this is honestly my last question for you, because um, I talked about the anonymous quotes. It's not draft season without anonymous quotes. It's also not draft season without bizarre stories of the questions that these players are being asked. Maybe more so this year than ever because of the lack of in-person interaction. So uh, yesterday, we talked about Nick Sirianni and rock, paper, scissors with Eagles uh, prospective draft prospects. Today, I'm looking at my man, Master Tesfatsian um, from Bleacher Report, and he's talked to some players who told him that teams asked them to rap. That's like like rap, like hip hop, hippity hippity hip hop rap, uh, and say they're ABCs. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, like Chris. I mean, you you've heard it all. You've been around, like rap for real. Hey, what do you? Yeah. So here's my double barrel. What do you think of these types of questions? And what's the craziest one you've ever heard? Sorry, I did a double barrel question, but no, you think it's okay. So I want to say first off, like man, you look so cute now that you're clean shaven, and so handsome. That's the first thing I want to say to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Dude, just call you know, me cute. I mean, bro, I ain't been called cute. cute in 30 years. But okay, cute. I'll take it. You call I'm, cute. Take it. I'm going with cute. I'm going with cute. Okay, I don't care. I'll you know, the hell with you guys. It. All right. Look at you all handsome. I'll take over it. There five o'clock. Shave. You like the five o'clock shadow? You like the five I do. I like it. I like it. I forgot yeah, what you in. look like. So it, it, it's good. Um, <laughs> now, I think a lot of that stuff is just stupid, overanalyzing. It's really not going to say much, you know. Even, like, let's just get back to, like, the Nick Sirianni rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You know, I mean, again, if I'm a 20-year-old kid and you put me back out in the draft and all that, first off, like, I'm, like, is he serious? Is this a real competition? Um, I don't want to totally talk crap on him because I'm respectful of my peers. I don't know how to react in that situation. You know, so I, I'd really want to be like, hey, you want to go play one-on-one and let me whoop your butt in that? And then you could tell me what kind of like athlete I'm on. Let's go play basketball. 
and I'll go whoop your butt and then remind you that I'm a player and you're a coach and there's a reason for that. That's what I would say to that coach if he tried to pull that crap to me. But it's 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 I oh I never had any crazy questions asked of me. No. I can't say that I did, but I it's to me just the over analytical part of this whole process. I know you're trying to get information as much as you can and all of that. But to me, a lot of that stuff is just like, what? I mean, you can get enough to know about the guy by, you know, asking him, hey, here's a few bad plays on film. You know, what happened? Is the guy accountable? Let me hear his, is he going to be an excuse maker? Can he teach me his own defense? Can I teach him a play? And then a few minutes later, can he teach me back the play? All that stuff. But coaches are like, they're, they can be annoying that way. I mean, I had a coach I remember once who, like, he saw me take, like, my first two shots ever playing cornhole in my life, and I missed them. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I swear the guy, like, held it against me. Like, he didn't think I was a good athlete because I didn't, like, like, my cornhole shot was a little <laughs> off. And I wanted to be like, give me, like, three days of this, and I will kick your butt so bad in this game it won't be funny. But if you want to go play horse and really get into hand-eye or something like that, let's go do it because I can bomb them and just knock them in through the hoop all day long. Coaches overanalyze that. Really? That's why I said, like, Derek Carr, don't move to John, don't move next to John Gruden, you know, back when he was talking about that because I was like, Gruden's going to sit there and, like, see you cook hamburgers and be like, I don't know about that guy. The way he's cooking the hamburgers in the backyard, <laughs> he can't really be my head coach. You know, he, hey, he judged me like that once once he saw my short game on the golf course once. I don't play golf, so I couldn't do a pitching wedge. But I know he judged me on how I hit it. And I wanted to, at the time, be like, hey, dude, what sport do you want to go play that I will just absolutely annihilate you in? Like, stop. So well, several, I don't know. This, well, several times, in, several times in this answer, Michael, I'm sure you heard it too. You have talked about your hoop game several times in this answer. <laughs> like I didn't know you had it like that. Like you, like oh, you, you, know, you can you, ball, you fill it up. I, I have, I have, yeah, I have some skills. I could shoot the ball for sure, and I got some pretty good handles to move a little bit. I, st- I, it's past it's COVID. I don't know if I still got it. I can go down to the local YMCA right now, and we get in some games. And, you know, other than maybe some of the kids who are coming back from college, I'm going to be one of the best players out there on the court. I'm definitely oh, like going to be. I can still deal with that. See, that's that competitiveness. That. That's that competitiveness right there. That's that competitiveness. That's, 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 that's what, what we're And you guys, guys keep challenging for. me. Right I might there. come up to you guys and just show you what it's all about. No, no. <laughs> oh, no. no, no I'm, hey, bro, I'm just good for six fouls. I'm good for, I'm good for a playoff <laughs> I'm foul. I'm Some screens and some inbounds, some entry passes. That's all I do. I do the little things. Hey, look, man. Box score. Chris Sims, look, appreciate look, right you. Around, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Right, right around like 38, 39, you know what I start seeing? A lot of my friends on crutches coming up, walking boots. Hey, what were you doing, man? I was playing ball, torn ACL, Achilles. I'm like, stop. It's over. If you didn't accomplish it in your first 39 years of life, it's not going to happen for you. Stop playing basketball. Start playing golf, uh, checkers, something. No more hoops. I'm, on, I'm, I'm still running up the hills in my backyard, man. And don't put hey, me retire. on that. Knock on some wood with that stuff right there. Don't this do that to me. This is your last year. Chris. Retire. Chris, <laughs> you ready? Come on. Let's go. Rock, paper, scissors. Ready? Shoot. One, two, three, shoot. Two, three, shoot. Rock, baby. Rock.
We're off time. See, we're it's here. the digital age. It's yeah, not, it's it's not good delay. enough. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. All right. We'll good see luck. you next week. I can't Talk believe you. you did that. Later, Michael Holly, you leave on the negative comment like that. Oh, you <laughs> might get hurt. Gosh. I dude. didn't say you said that. You said it. I'm just trying to tell you. <laughs> Because your family, I'm trying to tell you that, you know, maybe just play a little bit longer and then retire. Grace, retire with a championship. Retire with okay. that wide championship. All right, I will. All right. <laughs> See you guys. I'll Go be for fun, 40 man. and 20. Later, man. All right. Peace there it out. Is. See ya. tell you what, uh, I'm excited to uh, have you come into this league, and uh, man, what a a pair up we could do with old Dak Prescott, some of those guys that we've got out there with options to get to the ball, so we can dream of visions of sugar plums around here. Man, so, I mean, Kyle Pitts is, is been my best player to draft for for some time uh is he yours too just to confirm before we continue no no he's not no i wouldn't say that um okay but no i i like him best player in the draft no but i I, I really like him a lot okay are you my best Um, non-quarterback well sure does that help okay sure um still best non-quarterback but no, no, but I, oh, okay. I, I like I, much respect. Don't try to put why, me in position of being anti Kyle Pitt. No, wait, why'd you do that? No, I'm not putting you in the position. But why'd you do that? Why'd you say best non quarterback? Why do we separate the quarterback? Because obviously you can say no, the best player might be it might be Trevor Lawrence or it might be Zach Wilson. If okay. you say the best player, in, I would in, say in, Zach Wilson. Okay. Best player in draft, but Zach if Wilson? he's the best player, that I, Okay, cool. But that's not you're not giving you're not giving him a boost because he's a quarterback, are you? No, I I, just, I didn't know if if because we think we just assumed that those first three picks are quarterbacks, so we start talking about non quarterbacks. Oh, it's like a different category. Oh, I got guys. you. Yeah, no, I got you. No, I, I say best player. I just mean who's the best player. And if it happens to be a quarterback, great, that's even better. Okay, but, I got you. Uh, at least for teams that need quarterbacks. But, but no, you think I, it's I Kyle mean, Pitts? I think Kyle Pitts, regardless of position, regardless of position, he's the best player. The reason I say well, that if is, that's the case, um, San Francisco should draft him. Anyway, go ahead. And you've been saying that since they made the trade. I know. Um, I like. You know what, I, Mike? Can I say this before yeah. you continue? Yeah, go ahead. I have two. Of course you can. I have two rules. I have two rules when it comes to drafts. Number Ooh. one, two rules. Like, I only have two rules. Okay. Without them, we live with the animals. Don't overthink it. And that, and under that, under that headline, don't overthink it is. Draft the best players. Just draft the best players. Draft the best players, Jack Ramsey. That's why you wound up with Sam Bowie and not Michael Jordan. Draft the best players, period, and figure it out. That's one. Number two, make trades with bad organizations. Seek bad organizations and make trades with them. And you will be successful. We seek meager accommodation. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> That's I it. got you. Uh, That's it. Seek bad organizations. Okay, a um, couple of things. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how, and I know this happens for you too. We have 
intentions of taking the conversation one way, and one of us will say something that completely derails the conversation. Or That's just all the time. T- it takes it on a detour. So a couple of things. Every day. One, I just think the Sam Bowie thing is unfair. Um, because in those days, when the game was dominated by big men, and I've said before, it speaks to the greatness of Akeem Olajuwon because nobody, my all-time starting center and my all-time starting five, mm-hmm. nobody's ever said the Rockets made a mistake by taking Olajuwon first. That's how awesome. They, they didn't take the best player of all time. They took Olajuwon, and that was the right pick. Okay? Right. Um, but I think it's unfair. The Sam Bowie thing, sidebar, it's unfair. Because at that time, conventional wisdom, would you take big people, could not have in- anticipated that injuries would derail his career. Okay? Yes, you so, could. I mean, there's a lot of people. Yes, you could. There's a lot of people. That, okay, there's he a lot of people. injured in college. Who knew. There was a lot of people who knew coming out that Durant was a superior player to Greg Oden more recently. Right. But the Blazers took Greg Oden. And not to mention the Blazers at that time, and I know Michael Jordan later took it personally, but at that time they had Clyde Drexler. So they, maybe they overthought it, but you understand yeah. the thought process. And I say that to say this, bringing it back to the 2021 NFL draft, that okay. ship sailed about the Niners taking a, a, another player uh, other than a quarterback when they traded that bounty to get up there. So we knew they were taking a quarterback. If you need a quarterback, you don't take a tight end, even if you think that tight end is the best player in the draft, when you have the best tight end in football already. So as devastating as it would be to have Kittle and Pitts at tight end, you don't do that if you don't have your long-term answer at quarterback or you don't think you do. So I love Kyle Pitts, but if I need a quarterback, just like you asked, best non-quarterback, no best player, because, yes, quarterbacks is a premium attached to him. And if you're up there and let's say Kyle Pitts is a 96, you give Kyle Pitts a 96 grade. Right. And Justin Fields has a 94 grade, you take Justin Fields. Okay, that, but that no, just no, no, by no. the nature of the no. position. Okay, yeah, but that's 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 easy. That's easy. You made it easy for yourself. Okay. But did I? Well, okay, if, what, what, did I overrate the Kyle Pitts, If Kyle Pitts is a 96 and Justin yeah. Fields is an 86. Oh, well, that's different. Okay. So neither and one I of us know probably, how they have the quarterback graded. All right. Yeah. I don't I, I don't I just, I, Okay, yeah, that's we don't I know. Just, but, I, you know but no, if there's a wide gap, you take best player. But the reason I brought up Kyle Pitts, can, can I take it yeah. back to Dallas? Is I'm saying take back like, yeah, I'm. I, I, it's like, where do I want Jerry Jones to find a way? I know they have needs on defense, and I know offense, especially with a healthy Dak Prescott. Let me let me let me amend that. The offensive line is getting old. If they were going to go offense, a Rashawn Slater is probably the smarter pick for the Cowboys. However, I really would like to see the Cowboys make a move and pair, or not pair, group Kyle Pitts with Amari Cooper, with C.D. Lamb, with Michael Gallup, with Ezekiel Elliott. There's cooking with gas. And then, now that's a fire, says Uncle Gus. That's a fire. Like, like it, yep. would, it would be incredible to watch these dudes run out there with those skill guys. It may not happen, 
Atlanta may take him at four and pair him with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley for Matt Ryan. The Bengals may take him at five. The Dolphins will definitely take him at six if he's there. So they got to go up to five or four to get him. I would love to see them try their damnedest because I'm not even a Cowboys fan. I ain't been a Cowboys fan since the early 90s. But, man, how about them Cowboys if they run out there with Kyle Pitts and those receivers and that running back with a healthy Dak Prescott? Yeah, man. I would like to, that's where I would like to see Kyle Pitts end up. I would like to see him in a Cowboys uniform. You know how much I disagree with you. I, I, I'll just have a lot. <laughs> I'm having, can I guess why? Can I? Can I guess? I'm why? having such a hard time. Can I guess why? Why? Yeah, why? Why? No, you got you, you can guess. Go ahead. Yes. Do you hate? Do you, do you hate the Cowboys? No. I. I'm just. I heard what you said about. Kyle Pitts with Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and you know the Cowboys have other things. I was listening. But I was seething. I was just Why? restless. Why? That Trailblazers take. And then you're and then you're <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> oh, you're still back there. Oh, you you five. You and, still I, I'm sorry. And <laughs> your Justin Fields is it got a lower number, but Kyle Pitts is higher, but based on the position, I just think, no. Oh, no. Wow. And that's why I'm sitting here. Oh, I'm sitting here because oh, I, I, I like you. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be an NFL general manager. I don't. So the reason I'm sitting here is one, I probably couldn't do the job. Two, I don't want to do the job. But if I were doing the job, I just I, I'm not, this is a different in the 21st century, like not in the 21st century, in 2021. Team building is dead. You're not building. You're not building a team. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not building in a long term. Hey, this is what we got to get our franchise quarterback in place this year. And then two years from now, we'll get this. No, no, no. Unless you're coaching the Steelers, who just signed Mike Tomlin to another contract. So he's going to be on the job for what? 17 years at the end of this contract? 17, 18 years? I lost track. Long time. 2007. So it'd be 17 years. Unless you're coaching the Steelers or you're Bill Belichick, you ain't ain't team building. You better go and live for today. Live for today. I don't have time for Justin Fields to develop if I got a better, if I got a great player in front of me, I got to take the great player. I got to take him. So, Forget this. Well, we already got that. So what? Still I don't that? know what's going to happen. You still on? You st- are you still? Wait. So you still stuck on the 49ers? And you still stuck on that? And the other thing, if you think that if the NBA in 1984 was all about big people, well, you should have drafted Charles Barkley. Should have drafted Sam Perkins. He wasn't a or he wasn't a center. Oh, he's a big guy, six nine. So who Barkley? No, oh, I'm talking about. I said Barkley or Sam Perkins or Perkins in that draft. When oh, Perkins in that draft, Bar- I was talking about Barkley. I or don't Barkley. think so, think but Barkley. I was talking about Barkley. No, yeah, I mean that top, okay. the top so, five so in that I, draft was incredible. So basically, I, so, 
So basically what you're saying is I just gave you a whole lot of stuff that you needed to account for. Like it was just a lot, it was a lot that you were just waiting to kind yeah, it just of me. knock each one of it those things me. down. No, take I got you. I got the you. Best I got you. Players. Take the best players. Okay. You don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know. So All right. I just I just I, I, I hate so, that. I hate that. Okay. So you don't so you don't disagree that it'd be cool to see Kyle Pitts in a Kyle oh, be great. uniform. You don't disagree with that. I don't okay. disagree with that. So I I, I thought you hated the Cowboys, because that brings me to the next thing I want to touch on today is we spent all season going back and forth and bickering about one team in New York City. Meanwhile, the hottest team in New York City is New York City's team, the actual the team of New York City. I got a color TV so I could see the Knicks play basketball and went eight straight. Uh, after last night's win over the Hawks, get well soon, Trey Young. Um, and they're at the four spot now. Fans, naturally, through the roof. Julius Randle, another 40 piece. Love they got it. the third best defense in basketball. Uh, right now, they're holding on the fourth spot. I hope they do. Now, let's go back to what we said earlier about how this needs to play out. This could be a fun playoffs. If they hold on the four spot, and they got and they win and they have home court in the first round, win four five, and the Nets half a game back of number one, overtake the Sixers and somehow get the one seed. So Nets are at one, Knicks four five. Second round matchup, ooh, battle of New York. Yeah, that'd be great. So we could have that, a first round if, matchup with Russ versus KD. Second round matchup, battle of New York. And I'm not, I don't think the Knicks are contenders. They're obviously headed in the right direction. Obviously, lots to be excited about. Zion, right. thinking five years ahead of, ahead of himself, talking about how much he loves MSG. So all of New York is in a, in a frenzy because they could be a destination again. But more than anything, is they're, they're just going to make life miserable for whoever they end up playing based on the way they play defense and based on that beast that is Julius Randle. But the main thing I want to get to, Michael, and I'll pass to you after, after this. The main thing I want to get to is I mentioned LeBron's Twitter account earlier, and similar with the Cowboys in the NFL, good, bad, nobody's indifferent on the Dallas Cowboys. Good or bad, nobody's right. ever indifferent. LeBron gave the cliche but no less true take that the NBA is better when the Knicks are winning. Um, and and he's right, because you've been in the garden, I've been in the garden. There's a unique form of electricity in that place. Yes. Um, yeah. But what's funny about it is if I'm a Knicks fan, if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm seeing LeBron say that, I was like, hey, man, why you ain't come see to it yourself? You love it here so much. The league needs yeah. the Knicks to be good so much. You could have come here a couple of times by now. <laughs> so if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm like, don't jump on our bandwagon from afar, LeBron. Stay on the West Coast. Yeah, you speaking facts, but we don't want to hear them facts from you, LeBron James. But anyway, uh, he's right. I mean, it's, it's good to see the Knicks. Longest winning streak in what, seven years, bro? It's, it's, they, they're going to be a fun team to watch develop they are. the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I love it. I love watching them. I love the way they're playing. Like, they're obviously missing, like, one or two more guys. Like, they are getting they are getting the maximum out of the roster. 
I don't know. You, you probably have to give Monty Williams, Coach of the Year, love. Quinn Snyder, Coach of the Year, love. You have to give one of those teams. Or even Ty Lue. But Tom Thibodeau, he's got to know. Like, based on what he has and what he's producing, he has to know this is, and COVID, got to throw in COVID too, looks like everybody else. He has to know that this is one of his finest coaching jobs. And that's saying a lot because if you look at his career record, it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. That's one. Two, you mentioned the second round, how it would be great. I agree with you. It would be great if you have a Nets-Knicks matchup. I just hope that the Nets are able to advance to the second round. You want to talk about, bruh, that was, okay, that wasn't an alley. That wasn't an alley. That was, that was I missed the shot, and you caught it out of midair and dunked it. Like, oh, that wasn't a pass. <laughs> I didn't mean to set that. That was, too, that was way too easy. I didn't mean to set that up. I didn't mean to give you that. <laughs> that was just too damn hey, easy. Hey, bro, that was just too damn easy. For real, for real? Hey, I've gotten yeah. to the point now. I've always struggled with this, and I don't know if you're the same way. You probably are the same way because you, you – like, and, and I'm not even being sarcastic. You give things to people. You, you, you give things to people before you think of yourself. And I've been that way throughout my life. I, you, I struggle with asking people for things that I need. Uh, uh-huh. Except that time I asked you for money. I didn't have a problem with that. But other than that, I usually have a hard time asking people for things – but I'm, I'm calling in some favors. This is some things I want. Once I'm fully vaccinated, second week of May, one thing I want to do with all this Champions League stuff and Super League talk, I want to see the beautiful game somewhere in Europe. I want to see a game. Mm. I, just want, I, I, I want that. Maybe Liverpool. You know, they, I like their passion. I like how angry they are. I like it. I want to, I want to go there. And I want courtside seats at Madison Square Garden. Sitting across from Spike, next to Spike, whatever it is, I yeah. want to see a game yeah. there. I've never, because I've, I've covered, you know, I've covered many games at Madison Square Garden. And back in the day, never the press seating was pretty good. I've never been there as never a fan. Never been as a fan, though? No, I've, I've sat, covered. I've sat, like, behind, I've, I've sat behind the Knicks bench twice with each of my oldest two kids. I told you, Dwayne Wade's go. last game in the garden, I was there for that. Um, Who hooked you up? So, as talk, We'll talk offline. Uh, speaking of gifts, hold on, Gary. Speaking of gifts, speaking of gifts, hold on. Uh, speaking of gifts, you throwing shade at my team, I'm about to throw some love at yours. Before we go, as we go to break, before we go to break, whatever, just let's take a moment to appreciate the greatest miss of all time. The greatest miss in the history of NBA basketball was Joel Embiid Ooh. last night, nearly tying the game. With, I, I mean, I, that, bruh, I've never seen wow. somebody throw a full court baseball pass slash shot. That sucker, if that would have gone in, I would have had to just say, you know what, he's the MVP. I don't care how many games he made. He's the MVP. <laughs> if he'd have made that, that was an MVP shot. Like, you got one shot for MVP, that would have been it. That, that was a great it. attempt. Great attempt. Like, there should be a, it should be some kind of a, like, column for, like, like it, there's no moral victories, but that's a, uh, there should be some kind of asterisk next to that game. Like, that was an MVP moment that didn't count. It was a missed field goal, but an MVP moment. He won't win MVP, but MVP moment, 
for Joel Embiid in a season full of them. James Gustafson, eight pounds, three ounces, born this morning to one of our producers, Courtney Gustafson. This is baby number two. Emmy got a little brother, Archie. Congratulations, Courtney. We love it. That's big baby, too, Congratulations, man. Congratulations, Courtney. Congratulations, John. I mean, just yesterday, Courtney was producing the show and, and booking yeah. guests and just, I mean, like women are incredible, man. Like she, she was last night. Just a matter of fact, like, yeah, um, you know, might be yeah. having a baby tomorrow. Like, okay, tomorrow. why are you still working? Like, hey, like why were you here today? <laughs> hey, you gotta look up this. Congratulations. There, there's a, Good job. There's a jazz song called "Women Are Women Are Strong as Hell." Check that out. Yeah. 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 Shout out. <laughs> hey, truer words have not Think been about spoken, it. man. Courtney been Courtney been carrying the baby and pounds? carrying us. Courtney yeah. been carrying the baby and carrying right. us for the last nine months. How about that? How about that? You know, so were any of your kids eight pounds or bigger? I think the first two were. I think the first two were. If I had to push them out, I would probably remember that. Um, but I, <laughs> but I did. Sarah, Sarah took care of that. <laughs> Congrats, Courtney.